Hey everybody, I'm Jen Garrett, and I've used my Move the Ball system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I am glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. Now, I have a few things to mention before we get into today's episode, which if you have listened to the show before, this should not be a surprise. So first, if you are not already a subscriber, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening to the show on so that you are always in the know when new episodes drop. And second, if you enjoy the podcast, find it to be of value, then share it with someone else too. I'm always looking to grow and to reach more people. So you telling a friend or two or three is helpful for me to move the ball. So today, I've got an awesome guest here with us from New Orleans, someone who is ready to share his thoughts, his lessons. He's got a great story and he has insights to share with us. Inside the huddle with us today is Patrick Robertson. Patrick is a former wide receiver who played college football at Murray State University, and he played professionally in the Canadian Football League, the CFL, with the Edmonton Eskimos. Currently, Patrick is also the owner and founder of the Lab Performance and Strength in New Orleans, where athletes travel from all over to train and to excel. Patrick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so glad to have you here, Diddy. Yes, and yes. as <laughs> and I saw you when I was in New Orleans over the summer. It was hot and humid there when I was there. I think July I was out that way. So hopefully it's not as hot as it was back in the summer. But where I wanted to kick off our conversation is let's just talk about how you got into football. Share with us when was the first time you picked up a ball and what was it about the sport that made you love it? Man, my journey began when I was five years old, playing park ball, of course, in New Orleans for Joe Brown Park. At first, I hated football. I couldn't stand it, didn't want to play it. As I grew older, I began to love it, but I really fell in love with football when I moved to Texas, when I moved to the Dallas area and went to Hebrew High School. That's when it really clicked for me. But I played my whole life, like from the age of five to now, well, until 27, I played football. And in Texas, they don't mess around with football. It's kind of their thing. <laughs> it's a total different coach out there. Like playing in New Orleans is good, so we got a lot of good athletes. But when I got to Texas, it just seemed more serious. So that's when I began to really take it as such. Gotcha. And so there's so many things that being a competitive athlete teaches you to be successful in sports as well as beyond the game. So for you, what were some of the lessons and insights that you gleaned being a competitive athlete playing football? First is accountability. I know a lot of people always say coaches speak on accountability, but it's true. Like playing sports makes you be accountable. Second, I would say discipline. Like you have to be disciplined whatever you're doing, whether it's playing the sport, whether it's throwing your own business, whether it's you're a worker, it instilled discipline in me as well. So I think that'd be the, the main two that I say I took from my sports, being me being the athlete to crossing over to the business side. And let's talk about you playing college football. As I mentioned in your bio that you played wide receiver at Murray State. What was it like being a collegiate athlete? I loved it. 
college for me, this is my personal experience. It was like up and down roller coaster, honestly. It was more ups than downs. I had fun. It was great traveling. All them good things, going to different areas, different cities, different states, playing against different athletes, competing against other great athletes. It was a great experience. College in itself is like it really was a roller coaster for me, though. Playing, then I played for like two different coaches, five different receiver coaches. So it was like every year was like a new year for me. But overall, it was a good experience, though. And Murray is a great town. Like I love Murray. I love the town of Murray. And you mentioned how you played for so many different coaches. What was that like? How did you adjust? Because every coach has their style. And so how did you adjust to the differences and that continual change? It was, I'm going to keep it honest, I bumped heads with, with a few of them. Like some I just couldn't get with, but a few I was like, one of my favorites was a guy named Carnage Williams. You probably heard him. He was the Auburn receiver coach. He just was fired for some reason. I don't know too much on that story, but he was a great one. He was one of the great ones that I say, but it took some learning to get through, but I got it done though. It was cool. And when you look back at your time playing college football, what was the most memorable game for you and why? Tennessee State might be one of them. That was just one of the games where I just was in the zone. I can't even explain. I just was in the zone. Like over 200-something total yards, three touchdowns. I just was in the zone. I think Tennessee State always bring it out of me, too. They used to bring their band with them, so I loved it. Yeah, I can see how that would be a great game to be excited about. A lot of the times on the podcast, I like to draw parallels between how football lessons translate to life and on the football field and off, there are times when we fumble the ball or there's a missed tackle or we make a mistake. So tell us about a time when that happened for you on the field. And then what did you do as a result? Me, I'm a receiver, right? And I'm a returner. So it's been games where I muffed the ball. It's been games where I dropped the ball. You got to shake it off. Like sharp memory, as we always say, you got to have a sharp memory in the football game, right? So, and it's kind of the same thing with life. You're going to have some mishaps, some mistakes, but you got to have sharp memory and keep it moving. Okay. And I know you work with a lot of college athletes now, and we'll talk about your business. So what advice would you give to them as they're looking to continue to grow in their college career and hopefully make it to the league? One would be accountability. I always talk that with my athletes. And I always talk to them about the work that needs to be put in because a lot of people understand making it from college to the pros is really not about talent per se. Like, it's a lot of guys who are super talented at home not playing football anymore. Them team them know who's accountable, who can I trust, who will I trust with giving this money to. Like, you're not going to give your money to someone who's not trustworthy. You got to be someone you can trust. So I say that. And the hard work and the grind they got to be put in is really a work, a grind every day. Like, there's no off days. We say off season, but that's when you work the hardest. There's no off seasons, right? So you got to really be committed to your craft. And once you really commit to your craft and you show you're accountable, then things will be going up for us. So I always try to preach that to my lab boys, man. And you're right about the off season. There is no off season. And during the actual quote unquote off season, I mean, that's where you're really preparing your body, getting your body stronger for the next year, putting in all the preparation, working on your technique so that when the next season comes, you're ready to perform. You're ready. Exactly. So I mentioned when I read your bio that you have a training facility, the lab. So did you talk to us about why did you open the lab? What was your inspiration for becoming a trainer? Okay. Growing up here in New Orleans, like I never, ever had a trainer through middle school, junior high, high school, all the way to college. I never had a personal trainer, right? Never been to a trainer. I never did a training session in my life until I left Murray State, getting ready for my pro day to go to the NFL. So 
once I was a rookie in the CFL, I blew my knee. So when I came home, I have a nephew who played football, and I have two cousins. And they both was getting into their football careers, but they had nowhere to train. So they just would practice in that school, come home, do their normal thing. So me, my brother Nick, and my cousin G, my cousin G had this spot, which is the lab now, right? He was in it, and like it just was empty. So it was like, man, we're gonna start a gym. Cause my goal was to always go back to Dallas and start a gym. I never really had the thought of starting in New Orleans, which I'm glad I did though. So I'm like, babe, we're gonna start training. I know what to do. I've been through it. I've did it. I'm doing it because I was actually still playing while I was training. I was a professional early while I was training. So I told my nephew, told my cousins, and they told some of their friends. And like the very first session, I had about 15 athletes. And across the bridge from the lab is an open, just wide open space, a wide open field. So I took them to the field. We got a good session and did like an hour and a half. And I'm thinking, turn like, this might, this gonna work. Like, we could do something with this. So, next thing you know, they started bringing more friends and then more athletes throughout the city. It was coming high school athletes, that is. And then, like, word just began to travel to the college athletes. So, not college athletes hit me up while I'm home. They asked me, can I train them? Of course, I'm saying it. And then that's when the pros began to call. So, it, like, it was a kind of a word of a mouth thing out the spur of a moment kind of thing. Like, it was never really. Just planned by me, the way it happened wasn't planned. Like, I planned on always having a gym. But the way it happened wasn't planned at all. It just kind of, like, just happened. Well, that's kind of how life is, right? Like, there's a lot of things that that happen not the way we planned it to be. I never thought that I would have this podcast, for one. I never thought that I would be in sports. I always thought that I would be in the corporate world. And then after my dad passed away, that really kind of reshaped kind of where my focus went. But, yeah, I mean, life just takes you in different directions. It really takes you. Because I, I can remember, like, it was yesterday, it was me, my cousin, G, and my big brother, Nick. We were sitting at the lab. And as you saw, because you've been there, you know, had the wood doors that closes the lab. We sitting in front of them doors and we're like, man, we turn this to a gym. And we just kind of went with it. I began to bite my brother and my cousin. They just, they helped me, like provide me whatever I needed. And we got rolling. And then it really popped off. I'm going to say when, when the NFL at least began to hit me up. Like I can remember Tyron tweeting me like, hey, I'm in the city. I'm about to come to the lab. Tyron Matthew, that's my guy. And then, like, once he came through, it just, you know, it exploded. And I had Keenan Lewis coming through regularly who played for the Saints. So it was dope. Yeah, and wasn't Keenan one of your first pro clients? Keenan Lewis was my very first pro client. Tyron Matthew came after him. And then after that, it just it's been a lot since then. So them two guys, like the two guys that really helped me push my brand, that's why I always shout them out in the interview, anything I'm doing, like, Keenan, for sure, that's my guy right there. That's my family right there. He like the first one to stab me, man. And then Tyron solidified it. And what is it that you do with these guys to help them to get better? Because, I mean, as you know, the NFL is a business. They joke around about how it's not for long. So your ability to perform is important every single day. Or as you know, someone else is going to take your spot. So obviously, these guys are not going to go with trainers who aren't helping them to stay competitive and be able to perform at that elite level. So share with us some of the things that you do with Well, for me, I teach a lot on technique. Being technicians, you see on my post, I always put technicians at work, technicians, things like that, because I feel like all them guys are skilled already. Like, it ain't too much I can really do to make you more skilled once you're in the NFL. Like, you are who you are, so I'm sorry to say. I'm big on teaching the techniques of what we're doing. Like, the receiver, I'm big on dropping your weight out the routes. 
and use your speed throwing the routes with the DB like coming out your brakes, exploding out your brakes, things like that. So I'm really I'm big on technique. I'm very big on technique. Then of course we got the weights and the strength part of it as well. So that's about it. Really. And not, not really a big science to it that people try to make it is. Sure. And so on this podcast, I like to talk about the business side of things because we talk about business, branding, and sports on the show. So let's talk about you growing your business. So you had this conversation, your brother, cousin, nephew, and you're thinking about having the lab. And so now you set this into motion, this plan. How long did it take you to really get to a point where you're like, yes, we're in it and this is great. We're thriving because I think that's important for people. Like the success is it doesn't happen day two, right? It's a grind, as you know, and it's about putting in that work each and every day. That is true. And to be honest, I'm still not at the yes part of it. Like, even though I had a lot of NFL athletes, a lot of college athletes, a lot of big names come through, I still, like, every day I feel like I'm still chasing the goal, which makes it that much better for me, actually. So, but I say it took me at least a year. I say a year and a half. At first, I'm doing it. You got to think the money not really coming in because you're doing with high school kids. So, and I'm not really charging them anyway. Like, it's like free sessions. I'm still trying to build the brand, build the name. But while I'm doing that, like I told you, I was still currently active with playing ball, even though I'm hurt. So I was financing everything to do my, with my game checks, kind of, sort of. So a year and a half, man, a year and a half to where things really begin to look up. And what were some of the things that you, looking back on that year and a half, like if you were to talk with somebody that was thinking about starting their own business, doesn't have to be training, any kind of business, what would be some of the things that you told them to pay attention to early on so that they could accelerate their progress? Whatever it is you're getting into, know what you're getting into. You got to know your craft to teach to someone else. So you're going to be a trainer. You got to know how to body work. You got to know if you want to be a position coach, you got to know that position. If that makes sense, like you can't just be like, I'm going to make a receiver coach. I don't know what receivers do. So know what you're doing. That'll be the main thing. Like you got to know what you're doing. I can't teach you something I don't know. It's not possible. And so what are some of the things that just about business that you wish someone had told you when you were starting off so that you could maybe avoid some mistakes or missteps along your progression? See, I really hopped in here first, just really freestyling this thing. And I learned that I went down. Like, bookkeeping was one thing. Like, I, I did not take bookkeeping at first. You needed your bookkeeping. Getting business loans, things like that. Help. You need help. You can't do everything by yourself. I try to do everything by myself. Even though I did have my big brother and my cousin with me, but I really try to do everything on my own. Like, I'm like, I don't need help, but that's the wrong way to go with it. So those three things would be the main thing. Yeah, I think that's important. I think sometimes people try to take on all of it by themselves because you're starting off and you're like, well, I don't have a bunch of money coming in yet. So don't really want to pay people to do stuff. But uh, sometimes you got to make those investments. That's really how it is. But if you dishing out money for someone to help you, it's going to bring back more money. So like you got to have a team. Like you're nothing without a team. I know that from firsthand. You got to have a good team around you. Absolutely. Have you ever had an experience where you might have brought somebody on to help and it didn't work out? No, not yet. That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll tell you about the lie. Nah, that never happened. Like, I love my circle. I feel like I got the right kind of people around me. I never really had no problems with my circle. Yeah, because that's something people will ask me about being an entrepreneur. I'm like, I've hired firms that weren't quite the right fit and you got to cut them loose early. If it's not working, you can't hang on to them. It's not like a big company where you've got all this cash just sitting there and you can afford to have fat. If it's not working for you, then you got to make some moves. I can't speak on it. I hope I, hopefully I never have to, but like my team has been very, very rock solid from my clients, from all my lab boys to the people who helped me, man, everybody's been solid. Like no complaints. That's good to have. 
because there's a lot of other stories where people don't have that. So right. I'm glad to hear that your circle's been pretty strong. So let's talk about, you mentioned that you post videos and stuff on social media. Social media is definitely a big part of today's age in terms of just social connectivity, but also business growth. So what are you doing? What kinds of things do you post to help gain some more visibility for what you're doing and hopefully get more clients? At first, I was one of those secret type of guys like, I'm not going to post nothing today. I don't want to post this. But a lot of my people like, bro, you got to post. Like, that's what people want to see, right? So then I began posting like my workouts. I'll post like either it'd be like short clips, a minute clips of, the, of what happened. I'll post a, like a, a longer IGTV type of thing. So yeah, I'm posting workouts. I post just pictures of me kicking in with the athletes or whatever. Like one day I might post, today was a speed day. i post like snippets of our speed work. It might be a field day. i post snippets of the field. You know, whatever day it is, I'll post that. Obviously you post daily, but how often are you posting these type of content each day? Content with the field, I probably like twice a week. I need to do better. I'm going to start doing better. Maybe like twice a week. Okay. Now, off season is different. Obviously you might get one every day, but you know, right now we're doing season. So all the guys are already in the season. So like, like off season is when they're really going to be jumping off. I gotcha. So we mentioned some of the guys that you've trained in the past have played in the NFL. Tyron Matthews is still playing with the Chiefs. He's doing great there. When you look at a guy like him, what is it about him that makes him elite in your mind? He's smart. And one thing I said about his workout when he did come to me that time, like he was so locked into it. It was crazy. Like he didn't talk. Wasn't no joking around. He just, he got straight to work. And another guy, I had the pleasure of training too. It was Chauncey. Chauncey going to Johnson from the Saints. Like when we work, we work. Like it's full go, get better every time. He was another guy. He's locked in when he's training. I can say the same about Malcolm Jenkins came, came a few times. Very smart athlete right there. Like I learned probably more from him than he learned from me in that session. Same thing with him. All of them, like JT Gray, who played for the Saints, Deontay Harris, that's my guy right there, man. When he come to work, he come to work. All them guys really come to work. Of course, we're going to joke, we're going to play, but like they come to work. Same with my guy, Cyril Grayson, who's down there at the Buccaneers. When it's time to work, he work. My guy, Duke, I love Duke. The Quill Williams, for those who don't know who Duke is. Like They really all come focused and ready to work and ready to get better. So that's the main thing. But I think that's important. Yeah, I mean, that's important. Whether you're a pro athlete or you're just trying to be successful in life, it's that ability to stay locked in and stay focused when you need to be. There's a time to relax and to play and to have fun, and then there's a time to work. Yep, yep, yep. And they understand that very clearly, man. Like, the way they focus and they lock into what you're doing, I love it. Like, another guy, I got to shout out my guy, Stephen Dunbar. He's up there in CFL going crazy, man. Like, one of the hardest workers I've probably ever been around, man. And it's paying off for him. Oh, that's good. Good to hear it. Hard work does pay off. Yes, ma'am. I know you're involved in other things as entrepreneurs. A lot of us do many different types of things in our business to have multiple streams of income, which is what the finance gurus will say is important to be able to move the ball and have financial success. So what are some of the other things that you are doing besides the lab? I'm very big on real estate. Shout out to my guy, John. John Ramon. He like the guy that introduced it to me. Kind of sort of, he's a guy I trained, just a regular, you know, just a regular who was training. But, like, I'm big on real estate, man. Like, every day I wake up and look for property. Like, that's my number one thing. And now I have the lab trucking LLC as well, which I started over a year. But this year I took on a partner who was my guy, one of my guys. I took him on. 
we partner up on it and we're about to get that thing rolling as well. So that's my two main things. And for anybody that's interested in real estate, I guess what kind of tips or, or thoughts would you give them? What kind of guidance from an investment property standpoint? Know your comps, <laughs> know your area. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of dove in with that head first too. I just went to buying lots, man, and just investing with John. And John is teaching me the game. He was taught me the game as we went along with it. Like I learned while my money was already in. That's like I call him the guru, man. That's my guy. I gotcha. So also, if you know people that are in real estate to partner with them and utilize their expertise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I always pick the brain of people who are smarter than you. Like, I didn't know nothing about it for real. Like, I didn't know you could buy property, but I didn't know all the different avenues. There's a lot of avenues in real estate you could go. And like, he just break that down to me daily. And he showed me hands on. Like, he used to show me the numbers. Like, he could show me like, look, this property, you can make this, you can put this into it. So he really showed me how it could work. And that's how I got hooked to it. And you bring up a really great point about picking the brains of people that are smarter than you. I was on a call earlier today with the CEO of a startup here in Chicago, because I've been talking with them about doing some consulting work with them. And he made a comment about how he always wants to be in a room with people smarter than him. It's about learning from the people that you don't want to be the smartest person in the room. While that might be good for your ego, it's not really good for your progress. And so you always want to be surrounding yourselves with people that can level you up because they're smarter from an athlete standpoint that are better than you, stronger, faster, so that you can take your performance to the next level. Right. That's going to help you grow. How can you grow? You always the smartest person in the room. I mean, you don't know it all of the crew. There's no room to grow. So like go back to my circle is solid. Man. I know I have the right people around me. So I think that's a major key to everything I'm doing. So a call to action that I'm going to challenge everyone listening is think about who's the circle around you and who are you spending your time with? And are they the right people? Or do you need to have the courage to shift those people? When I say courage to shift, that doesn't mean you just say, oh, you know what? I'm getting rid of all of these people in my life because you're not smarter than me. No, but you think about who are you spending time with? You can still have other friends that you have fun with, but are the people that you're interacting with when you should be working the right people that are forcing you to level up? True. It can make or break you. Absolutely. So Diddy, what I want to do now to wrap the show is I want to take you through my two minute drill and just ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? Let's go. All right. Let's get it. You can tell he's got some good energy over there. <laughs> Love the energy. All right. My first question is, when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? Basketball player. Okay. Basketball has always been my favorite sport. I grew up a basketball player. I always had dreams of being in the NBA. Who is your favorite team? That's not one of the questions, but I'm throwing it in. I'm a diehard Tar Heel fan. North Carolina Tar Heel. That's where I wanted to go to school at. Like When I was growing up, I was a Bulls fan. And then I'm always root for the home team. So I always had like a spot in my heart for the Hornets and the Pelicans. So we'll say them too. Okay. My next question is, who would play you in a movie about your life? Man, I don't know. I think I get my nephew. I have a nephew. I think he'll do good. And he kind of look like me. <laughs> okay. Next question is, what is your favorite vacation spot? Hawaii. I fell in love with Hawaii this year. But I love summertime shy as well. So in the summer, I'm going to the shy. And then the time I'm going to Hawaii. That's right. Chicago in the summertime only, as we joke around about. Yes. Next question is, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Cooking cream. That is a good choice. Thank you. What is a pet peeve of yours? I hate complainers. Ah, yes. That is a pet peeve of mine. Complaining is a real pet peeve of mine. I hate complainers. How about what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? Actually, I just started Part of Me Not a Slaves. I just started it. I'm really intrigued about this book. I want to see what it has to say. Okay, you'll have to let me know what you think of it. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. And my last question is you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? I've never really been a big starstruck person, but if I had to pick three, three, right? Yep, three. I'd probably sit down with Michael Jordan, MJ for sure. I'm going to sit down with MJ, one of my favorite athletes. I want to sit down with Floyd Mayweather, pick his brain. I'll probably sit down with Tom Brady too. Tom Brady, Floyd Mayweather, MJ. Because they're the best at what they do. All great choices. So, Diddy, as we look to close the show, let people know how can they follow you? Where are you at on social media? Okay, on Instagram, I'm at the lab, T H E L A B underscore Nola, N O L A, the lab underscore Nola. And on Twitter, I'm at May underscore man underscore five, M A D E underscore M A N underscore the number five. Perfect. And we will have those in the show notes so people can follow you, can reach out, can see all the great stuff that you're doing. Diddy, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Greatly appreciate it. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's episode. Again, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already done so. Share the podcast with others and we will see you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.